0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome everyone to Somewhere in Time. Your special <laughs> you. guests, Rob Harris and Greg Gonzalez. You've done my job. Featuring the music of Snapcase and Clutch, <laughs> and here's your host, Eric Ford.
1: Thank wow. you, Rob, for that lovely <laughs> intro. We need, to, afterwards, we need to get you to cut like uh, some bumpers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by <laughs>
2: yes. Doctor Fu. No, no one special. <laughs>
3: the cover nice
0: band in northern us. virginia yeah right, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> buy hair metal
4: we're not yeah <laughs> they won't sponsor anybody it's cheap
1: <laughs> it's all in uh whatever german money is <laughs> uh, marks <laughs> there you go yeah well rob did it yeah so welcome to summertime podcast uh i'll do a little more but uh it was very well done i could not have done it better myself uh somewhere in time is where you find us online uh, youtube.com summertime podcast you can watch all of our episodes there as well okay yes this episode we're going to talk about um looking Snapchat. glass self by snapcase and uh well how do i this is a long title but i'll just say transnational speedway league by clutch we'll get to the we'll get to the full title once we start talking about that album. so um well, so yeah
3: we, we should talk about a couple a couple things i was uh, on vacation since our last uh, episode and uh, you know hanging out with my brother he's been Listening to, you know, all of our episodes as, you know, all of our audience has, you know, they're all up to date. Absolutely. But uh, <laughs> he came up with, uh, with something that I was unaware of that, um, you know, he started, you know, a drinking game to our show. Whenever what? I say any of apparently I have catchphrases.
5: Yes, you do. Uh, what? <laughs> yes, you do.
3: This
5: is fantastic. L-
3: L- L- we've already, Let's we've face- already. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Let's face it. Yes. Mm. One way, one, one way, way or another. another, and time out. <laughs> yes. So, yes. If I say any of those three things,
1: you don't, know how, this record, is. You don't know, know how funny the record is, Keith.
5: Yeah. When Pam and I listen to the podcast, and you say any of those three things, we both look at each other and act like we're taking a shot. We just go like this. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Every time in the car, we're just like, <laughs> but
1: don't stop doing it. No. Well, I, think I, don't, coming, I don't think you will.
5: I, I was a, completely
4: dad. unaware
3: that I did do it. So.
1: Yeah. No? yeah, don't. That's, one way or another. Yeah. One way or another. Let's, <laughs> let's face it. Yeah. Let's face it. We should talk about Looking Glass Self by snap We should
5: also introduce our guests, if you didn't talk we about it. We should properly better.
1: introduce our guests. You're, right yes. you're right. yes. Yes. So, yeah, joining us this episode, we have Rob Harris and Greg Gonzalez. If you're in the D.C. area and you have seen any cover bands, you've probably seen these guys out there, because <laughs> they're in some fantastic cover bands in the area so uh dr Fu, hair metal greg you're still doing the uh legal in the district correct yep what so. about
3: the all-star band does somebody
1: oh yeah yeah greg it's
0: it's probably better to talk about the cover bands in the area that greg is not in
4: <laughs> at this point
1: <laughs> yeah so busy yeah he keeps busy for sure
4: but Rob so. and I used to be in a hardcore band together. Yeah, that's the, re- here, the right? relevant
0: point. The reason we're here, I that think, is yeah, is that yeah are, that's yeah, why we're, we're here
4: from
1: Buffalo,
0: New York, and so we were contemporaries with uh with Snapcase in the early nineties.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, and, that, and we were just talking about this a little bit before we started recording, Rob. But um, you know, you were mentioning Clutch and how they're not they weren't in your peripheral, like they weren't. And that's the same for me with Looking Glass, With uh with Snapcase, this album, Looking Glass, so I just never heard of them until keith brought them up keith is actually the one that brought this to our Mm -hmm. to the table so um so yeah it was i mean it was the the album didn't hit me very like it was fine i didn't really i didn't love the album but i think that's just because you know you i think you had to be there it's good (laughs) and it's uh
3: it's, you know, actually, you know, talented musicians instead of jazz. I didn't dislike
1: it. You know, I just, like, wasn't...
3: W- wanking when their guitars nonstop. You know? <laughs> you know, no, 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 no wanky guitar solos. So like, you know, hey, mommy, look at what did, I can did, do.
2: Did we want to introduce ourselves, or they should... <laughs> oh, yeah, we <coughs> normally do that. We should that. do that, too, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All
1: right. Yeah. So, I'm Eric. We've got Tim here. Yo. Joe is here. i Hello. And and who, Keith. What was that? What was that, Keith? Uh, my name's Keith. <laughs> The drinking game. One way or
5: another. One way or another,
1: Keith way or another
5: you're a yeah.
3: uh, uh, I know. I guess I should uh, <laughs> say uh, timeout.
5: <laughs> no, you have to say timeout, 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 timeout. <laughs>
2: yeah, just fuck them up right away. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: oh, um, all right, so let's play. We'll, we'll play a little bit of this Snapcase album to get into it. Okay, um,
3: start with Drain Meal. Like, start at the beginning.
1: Will do. Okay, I'm going to fade it out there just because we're going to get into this a little bit later when we talk more <laughs> tracks, but uh, the band itself is, let's see, you got got, uh, I'm going to butcher some of these names, I apologize in advance, Daryl uh, Taberski, is that how you say that?
0: Taberski, yeah, I believe.
1: <clears throat> On vocals, guitar, uh, John, I want to say Salami, I know that's not right, <laughs> uh, how do you pronounce that? It? S- Salome? S- it's funny
0: because we, when we, you so know, when we were, so yeah, me. we didn't, we didn't like, weren't like, and your last name is, you know, yeah. it was just yeah. like <laughs> the only dude, the it's only John guy. We, it's John
3: Snapcase. It's Daryl well, Snapcase. The, the
0: only know. guy, for some reason, and Greg would probably say that we ever called by his last name was Chris Gallus. We just call him Gallus for whatever reason. I don't know, but it was, that was always Gallus. So, gotcha. and he was out, he was out of the band by this point, I believe. So this was,
1: that's Daryl, I think, uh, singing yeah it's interesting so the guitar maybe you guys can explain this there's two it says john salemi and scott dressier dressler 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 sorry god i'm butchering these names tonight (laughs) um what was the deal there they have is it two guitar players or did someone step in for another person or or is it just
4: no they always said two guitar players i think
1: okay all right gotcha so but but Um, so
4: they yeah i mean the lineup they had lineup changes and stuff like
1: yeah. any band does no you saw you have bob whiteside on 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 bass and then there's you got drums you got two different people so um tim redmond on tracks one two and five and uh michael kamed on three four six and eight six yeah two, eight. he
4: he quit like in at that point and then tim took over the, i see okay. the band like my interactions with these guys so i mean do you want to know do you care no yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely so in Buffalo, Rob and I, I, I was in a hardcore band in like the late 80s when I was sort of at the end of high school getting ready to go to college. And so Snapcase was in that little world of the, you know, like the bands that we played with in the, um, uh, you know, like the hardcore scene there in Buffalo. Yeah, They were called Solid State for most of the time that I interacted with them. And they had a such, somewhat of a different lineup that changed over the years. Um, and then you know, we when I moved out and went to college and stuff, like you know, I did. Then they changed their name, and then the whole the band took up a whole other level thing. But that's uh, I was an older person, so like my interaction with them, they're all much younger. But like I have a picture of Daryl at like the first show where my band played, where he's like on the stage, like it's pretty funny. So they were a very uh like. Um, all, I would describe all those guys in the band and like what ultimately became Snapcase is like, they were a hundred percent into like getting it, you know, hardcore all the time. You know, they were very, uh, involved in moving the, the scene of music into whatever it turned out to be. Um, and, uh, so that, that would be the interactions that we have with them. We played shows with them all the time. So, uh, you know, like, I remember like once this is kind of a funny story that we played. When they were called Solid State, we went to Erie, Pennsylvania to play a show. Together we were, it was our two bands and then the band Outface was the headliner. I don't think Rob was in the band at this point. And so we had to take we took one car, and it was like we borrowed my dad's caddy and like me, Daryl, and the singer Gallus at the time and, and my, my cousin who was a singer for my band, we drove back and forth in this Cadillac and rolled up at the gig in a Cadillac, which was really funny. <laughs> um and our drummer couldn't come our drummer at the time was this guy dennis merrick who's now in a band called earth crisis
3: oh um (laughs) oh just earth crisis yeah yeah
4: and so uh but but so dennis was in our band when he so i was like by the time when i was like 17 or 18 dennis was like 14 or 15 yeah so his parents wouldn't let him go to that particular show so like because we were jerks we made Demos of our album to sell with pictures of Dennis, like as a baby, on the back of it that we sold. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably
0: still he, mad didn't about it. His that. mom used to get, we would rehearse at his house and his mom or parents would get pissed.
4: Like, no, they didn't care. Playing. But anyway, they, no, they didn't care. They let us make as much noise as possible. But anyway, so since, since, anyway, where I'm going with this is since he couldn't come, we had Tim Redman, who's the drummer for Snapcase, since he was a friend of ours and when he came to all our shows, he's like, yeah, I'll just play your set. And he just played the whole thing. So okay. he was our drummer, And then he was also solid state before they changed the name to Snapcase to drummer because their drummer, who' is like he splits that album with, yeah. he was involved in another band called Squid, and we, he was kind of like a hippie and wasn't really involved in the whole scene. So he was already like one foot out the door. So we all went there. and then Tim played and this is a long time ago, but like in my memory, he played both sets which is pretty cool and then the other kind of funny thing kind of links these podcast things together is the band that we were opening for both of us was called outface which is a really popular band in cleveland at the time and and they were in this is all happening in in pennsylvania but the singer for outface was um what's his name Derek, whatever it's the guy who sings for oh, yeah, yeah
5: yeah oh Derek yeah. green yeah, so yes, Derek Green, because I
4: loved uh, Outface was like a Bad Brains, like kind of one off type sound. Like at the time, Bad Brains was my absolute favorite band. And so we were just excited to even see Outface, but let alone like we get to open for him. And then nobody knew the years later he was going to be the singer for Sepultura. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that was a good memory I had of those guys. But that was way before any of like the albums and stuff like that happened. Um, gotcha. But that that was my, and so we we ran with them. We We would play gigs all the time where like one of us would be, uh, we, we were always like when there were local gigs like the you know the first band on the bill of whatever big band that was coming into town our band or their band and then those guys ultimately got a record out in victory and then you know they went just, and then we went yeah. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> and i don't know how that worked out so you know we can talk about that later but like when when i was in this band like i remember going to like I don't know if you know anything about Victory Records, but, like, it's, Uh, like, a a real record label. But in, like, 1990...
3: That was just starting out. I mean, yeah, yeah. this band really, as Victory was expanding, Snapcase was just kind of, like, there at the beginning and rose along with them and you know i I, go ahead i mean i think that storyline is is...
4: so they were probably part of what you know all the bands from where we were like wanted to get you wanted to put out a record you know right but you you couldn't put it out yourself no nobody would want that you want someone else to put it out (laughs) yeah so why everybody wanted to get tony victory or tony bremmels name and to put out your record and so he was just starting victory at this time so i remember like being this would have been nineteen ninety probably. And we drove to play at what's called Club Blitz at the time, which was Tony Brummel's basement in uh somewhere in the suburbs of Illinois, where we played a gig where it was a local band. We were the second band, and then the third band was from California. And like his basement was like a hardcore, like a venue. And like they would people were like just, it was packed full of kids and uh you know he was looking at bands to see who he was going to sign to his label that only had like one or two records out at the time and we played one of the last shows there before we slept at his house i think before (laughs) it got closed but like you know so like my crappy band played there but like the next week i'm not kidding gorilla biscuits played there (laughs) or or face value from cleveland and like every other victory band played in this guy's shitty basement (laughs) his his basement like in illinois it was uh, it it was just it was uh, a good time you know so anyway we and i also think he was like i didn't realize this at the time because i was so young he was trying to evaluate whether we were any good and also like whether we had skin in the game i think like whether you like we were going to do this long term and yeah. i i think i probably telegraphed very easily that i already i've already gotten to law school and i'm going to do something else yeah. you know <laughs> which is why like our drummer's like oh i'm going to earth crisis like they're doing something you know <laughs> So
0: <laughs> we played a show in Syracuse with Earth Crisis, and it was pretty much at that show where they were. He was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go with these guys," but <laughs> they were also like vegan and yeah. straight edge, and we were not.
3: Well, I mean, that's yeah. another thing about you know uh, Snapcase is you know Snapcase. I, I, in all the interviews, you're like they you, people bring up like, "So you guys are straight edge?" And they're like, "None of us drink, none of us do drugs." we adhere to kind of the same kind of construct of that, but we aren't a straight edge band. You know, they stress that this is our own personal belief. It's what we feel should do. We're not going to enforce our kind of beliefs on anyone else. Like when you guys were hanging out and let's face it. I mean, when the when this band started, the drummer was 15, I believe. So, uh, I mean, maybe it's the, the drummer that they that, that left ended up in the hippie guy, but one way or another, um, did you guys have any? Were you guys drinking in the uh, the, the stairwells and the alleyways while uh, these guys were staring at you, frowning
1: because <laughs> of the? Uh, I mean, growing up. Don't in the DC do that, scene, shame hey, shame. Hey hey hey,
3: come <laughs> I mean, up in the D.C. scene in the '90s, I mean, that was a whole thing. Like the straight edge crew in D.C. is, you know, intolerant and a bit, uh, you know, th- there's a number of zealots out there. And hey they stare their nose down at you and i've gotten so used to that i've always kind of steered clear. i mean, for the most part this band i never really kind of touched with because i'm like, uh, fuck the straight edge crap. and i picked this album up in 2000 i don't know, 2009. it was after some big national uh there was there was some big thing that people were kind of to try trying to get donations to and i ran into this like kind of a shop that was doing uh, donations and they had it like a big yard sale and i picked up this album at that and i fell in love with it and uh you know now we're all sitting here
1: that's interesting i mean that that, well that's what i was saying earlier like i feel like i felt like maybe you need to discover this in the 90s but if you picked it up you know 15 years ago or whatever, yeah and you got into it so
4: I think that there was a, you know, in the scene, at least when I was a younger person involved with, with, you know, playing stuff with these guys, there was a lot of straight edge people in Buffalo. There was a straight edge scene of people in Buffalo. There was before we could even get the gigs the the bar that everybody used to play in in Buffalo, that is kind of, you know, like of lore is called the river rock cafe. And it was like in a rough section of Buffalo. That's where all the straight edge and hardcore shows were. And it got closed. But prior to anybody being able to get in there, um, we would play garage parties like in the middle of the day at people's garages in different parts of like Buffalo, usually like in like the Hamburg or orchard Park area, which is near where the stadium is for the bills, and nobody was drinking any of those places. nobody would be drinking at like a show and even though like when I was even when I played shows where I'd already gone away to college and I definitely you know was drinking i just it was not the scene for anyone to be like i I would never have a like a beer on stage or even at a gig. like it just not that. Not that like I I didn't want anyone to know that it just wasn't it just didn't fit like in that whole scene of people. I don't know. I don't but I also don't
0: remember people being very judgy about it either. Okay. I mean I think that like Greg said, I mean, just you were dealing with a bunch of underage kids and getting mm-hmm. the alcohol in there was not like a priority. And there were kids I mean, I think it kind of happened while we were growing up is like all of a sudden you would start seeing kids with black X's on yeah. their hands. But I I don't know I don't remember one way or another I mean we just the thing was is like it became clear as we played music more that we were going like we were classified as a hardcore band but we all had long hair we were all like we had a much more metal sound mm-hmm. and so I don't I mean we played hardcore music because we loved you know bands like Integrity and the Chromags and you know who are classified as as hardcore bands um. <sighs>
3: That but I think we were cool going question. more metal. Well, let me ask you that because that's another big question. Like when I first think of hardcore, you know, to me, the stereotypical hardcore band is Agnostic Front. You know, old school New York style. And back when hardcore itself really started, and I mean, if you want to lump in Bad Brains into that, there's definitely a much more punk inclination to it. It was really in the mid '80s, and I'd say cro-mags is the first band that started it. All of a sudden, heavier distortion, and it might just be the trend of the time. Because let's face it. Punk was not exactly the most popular thing in 1985, as it was, like, in, say, 1979. Uh, metal was definitely coming to the more forefront, but I really feel that there was a turn in hardcore music in the mid-'80s. I'd say cro kind of started it, where all of a sudden it was more of a metal inclination. As things kind of expanded, I, that's one thing about, you know, this album I absolutely love the fact that, you know, as slow and driving and grinding as it is, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's, you know, the exact opposite of a thrash album. You know, the tempos here are just, you know, snail's pace, but it's right. definitely, you know, I, I feel it fit very much in, in what we wanted to talk about and what we wanted to discuss. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. And then as hardcore kind of expanded in the, you know, let's face it, in the mid '90s, all of a sudden, every goddamn hardcore band was, you know, practicing Hare Krishna. And then in the early 2000s, all of a sudden, Christian consciousness becomes a big thing because every single Christian all of a sudden wants to try and shut those goddamn Hindus up. Um, but you know, <laughs> one way or another, all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, hardcore became death metal. Uh, sometime in like 2000, 2001, every hardcore band playing was a death metal band. I, Uh, We can get into that in a different date. One way or another, (laughs) how do you guys feel about hardcore itself and the kind of conversions from kind of more of the hardcore being more or less a combination of punk and metal and it's starting off more on the punk end and then veering, I'd say more into the middle end as time has gone on well
4: when we were playing at least in the 80s and early 90s like agnostic front was still huge where we were they came Mm -hmm. to buffalo all the time we played with them a bunch of times sick of it all was another huge band that came all the time but there was also you know again i think for whatever reason the area that we lived in took a particular liking Mm -hmm. to like chrome eggs was very popular influence and like biohazard even on some level and so, like, the most popular local band where we were growing up uh, in this area was called Zero Tolerance. And they were basically like, they were very close to like a Chromex kind of sound. And so I get like some of that. Like, if I were to listen, when I listen to like the Snapcase album, I, I can hear the either, either the Chromex influence or like the Chromex filter through Zero Tolerance influence and that. And then the other band that was really popular around this time was probably. Like quicksand
1: i would say like you know quicksand yeah. oh, okay so or yeah, like i know quicksand but i know them from like i mean i don't i don't remember them as hardcore maybe it's the metal quicksand. tours yeah. <laughs> yeah
4: but like so no, no, they weren't, if a hard, they weren't a hardcore. if you listen to band. this album are we can we talk about the album like my my view on like <laughs> yeah, what, <laughs> yeah eventually. you should do that yeah
5: <laughs> like, <so laughs> you should do i that.
4: don't know what their influences are for this but i would guess that like like one of the things that i find the most interesting about the record and 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 the Snapcase's music in general is that they use this kind of um uh like guitar noise like tom morello type thing going on for a lot of their you know the, yeah to, mm-hmm. to do like a quiet loud thing like the pixies but it's like this little like you know annoying guitar noise but that to me like where did it come from so like, i think that that's like one thing they do really well is like that they use that to kind of build up into the next thing and if I was trying to guess where it came from based on like where things were at the time, I would guess that a lot of it comes from like, like, t- like, do you know who Tom Capone is? He was the guitar player in quicksand. He was also in a band called bold. And okay. he, oh. he did a lot of like harmonic noises. Like quicksand has like a lot of noises, like kind of things like that. And so there's a lot of, I hear that influence, but they, but Snapcase took it to like a different level. They made it more of like a thing to me, like where they took it and made it like a lyrical line, like an Iron Maiden line that runs mm. like in a song, versus just like Tom Capone would just accent things with like this like kind of like harmonic thing. Snapcase like actually made the harmonic noise thing part of the song yeah. in a way that like, like I view it like to me at least. I read an interview with um in the the guy from Papa Roach, whatever that dude's name is, who plays guitar. He <laughs> gave an, an interview in Guitar World, like this is more than a decade ago, where they asked him to name like name five bands that you like that nobody knows about. And he's like, he named Snapcase as one of the oh, bands. Wow. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, you know, when I saw that, I'm like, Oh, I know those guys. That's great stuff for them. They're getting named out in guitar world. But I, you know, and I look at that through the lens of like things that might've influenced that guy. Like I could see like, like their, whatever their hit song is, the one that's like totally Genghis Khan by Iron Maiden. Like, yeah,
1: yeah. Hell'll be thy name. Yeah. that's Yeah. That's Genghis Khan. Is it, is it more Genghis Khan? Okay.
4: It's definitely Genghis Khan. But anyway, but, but that thing is a snap case type thing. Like they, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if he took that from them. He's like, Oh, these guys are doing that. I'm going to take Iron Maiden now and do the same yeah. thing in my okay. band.
1: Yeah.
4: I, I don't know, I thought for what they were doing, like with that, that like nobody was doing that on the level that they were doing it. To me, that's like their biggest contribution to this whole thing. The slower tempos plus that, like that kind of. Melody line with the guitar is just different than Mm -hmm. anybody was doing. That's what makes their music to me stick out above all the other ones, as far as something different.
1: Yeah,
2: it is way more Genghis Khan now that you've said that. The uh, one other thing that I think
0: that I can hear when I listen to this, and also going through my my favorite Snapcase record is "Progression Through Unlearning," which is like a few years later. But Mm -hmm. and and I think it's Tim. I'd have to listen. I don't know exactly. He does like few of the songs, but I definitely hear Helmet. Um, hmm. the yeah. drums, yeah. the snare, yeah. and I think oh, yeah. I think meantime <laughs> was like '92, and this record is '93, and I think you can hear, you can hear yeah. some helmet in there. Um, yeah. and I think that that went through that sound was part of Snapcase's sound too. I think whether they just liked it or adopted it, or Tim loved them, or whatever it was, but I, it's part of their part of that sound. Like Greg was saying, it's something that defined, you know, the Snapcase sound. Well, they have that same snare sound, didn't they? Very similar. It has, uh, Very high
4: jazzy tight snare. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's interesting because mm. this I did not know. I'm looking, <laughs> Tim i looked it on up on discogs, but like three of the tracks were recorded in Buffalo, um, at Trackmaster, which is like a pretty big studio in Buffalo, and uh Robbie um Robbie Tacock or Robbie Goo um would I think May have actually helped these guys, not this record, but maybe the one before that. And then they bu- recorded a bunch of stuff in in New York City. Okay. Um. So it would be I I didn't do this, but it'd be interesting to like break down actual like the Buffalo stuff and the New York City stuff and see how different it sounds. Yeah, that would be cool.
1: Yeah, I didn't I didn't break down the tracks either by drums because I, I I'm really looking now like recognizing oh shit there's actually a different drummer on three tracks. Yeah. But yeah. it, that what's interesting about that is it's I did I didn't pick out different snare sounds. So were they using the same setup? You know what I mean? Like, good question. I'd be curious, curious to find I, out. You know?
5: Yeah, I mean they probably wanted to keep at least uh, some consistency in the sound throughout the album, so they might have been like, "All right, dude, you're yeah. using this piccolo snare, <laughs> whether you like yeah. it or not." Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, it could it could be
0: that. <laughs> yeah, According I mean. to this, one, two. So, "Drain Me," "Filter," and "Deceived" are recorded in Buffalo, and Tim played on "Drain Me," "Filter," and "Looking Glass Self."
4: So Tim just in case you know I don't know if if you get we're getting deep in this but Tim at the time also was in this band called Slugfest with this with um Scott Vogel and Scott Vogel is now the singer for Terror. So like that's another kind of connection. They're okay. also in a band called Buried Alive. That, there's a lot of good Buffalo I mean, Terror is really good. If you like I I really like Terror. So uh, okay. Like very old school loud yeah, Scott, and hardcore. Scott has and awesome. Scott Vogel is one of the best hardcore frontmen. Yeah. But, when I knew him, he was like, he's like fifteen years old. So he's, <laughs> <but> he was <laughs> he would but just so he and like show, Tim, those are show. the kind of people that like what was different than certainly, I would say myself was i was I was in this band because my cousin ran it, you know, and he was really into the scene. But I was kind of, you know, one foot in, one foot out like people heading off to law school well but (laughs) my people like tim or like everybody in snapcase and people it like uh well tim and vogel like those guys were like a hundred percent in like they were like this was everything like when and they and they would come see our crappy band for they come to every show but like i have a video of of us playing some crappy show at a bar we did like an open mic thing as a joke like a battle of the bands once where we played literally we played because we wanted to play this cool bar and so we played it and the band that played before us—I'm not kidding you. This Ingvae Malmsteen cover band. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, they were—they were—they were great. But it was like, oh my god, I can't believe somebody's doing. It. And the next thing is our band. We get up there, and there's nobody wants to know, wants to hear anything. But at the show. Was the only two people were the two guys that came in with us that we snuck into the bar because they were definitely not 21 was <laughs> Vogel and Tim. And so I have a video of us with no one around. There's nobody. And then, then Vogel's doing the hardcore dance in the middle of what would be the pit if there's anyone around where your hand is <laughs> yeah, swinging around. Swinging like the, the, swinging the yeah, arm. Like he's going to hurt somebody. <laughs> You know, but, the, <laughs> but anyway, I, I just pointed out because that was the kind of person he was. Like he's like, I'm 100% supporting this all the time, and so that that's one of the reasons why those guys, all of them, all the people that wound up doing well out of this whole thing, is like, they really were one all in all the time, and that was the difference for why they are so, you know, they're they're still doing it now because they're 100% committed, and yeah. good good for them because I I I love that they're doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I that
4: mean, is cool.
3: it's kind of. You know, Snapcase is playing this Saturday down in Richmond. You know, no, really? with the veil. Yeah, yeah they nice. they came
4: back. They're still doing it. Yeah, yeah, and, nice. which is pretty cool. You know,
5: how big yeah, is this the cool. place? They're playing. Is that a like a
4: Browns Club it's or Browns is, Island? Okay. It's
3: well, it's I believe it's kind of an amphitheater type place. Uh, the the thing cool. that they're doing. I mean, it's a veil. A veil broke up, and has this is the second year in a row they've come back to do kind of a reunion show thing. So it's it's kind of significant it's going to have an, an enormous crowd down cool. i would have loved to have gone down myself because i
4: mean let's face it veil is
3: from reston
4: so oh, nice. whenever yeah. those guys play like a show reunion show where we grew up it's sold out pretty much right away yeah. you know? oh nice that's cool so i guess one last thing before as we're getting into this that i think is different than them from a lot of the other hardcore type bands and i think this is another thing that makes them kind of notable is that they were able to kind of cross over genre on some level, whereas like they became yeah. a little bit less than not necessarily out of the hardcore realm into like the quote alternative realm. Because like mm-hmm. like they had a video either like in the late 90s that was on like 120 minutes, they got an MTV and some play that there's no way, like, you know, it's not like youth of today videos is gonna get played on yeah. MTV, but these guys got play with it and they wound up being on the warp tour. And, like, being able to jump over some stuff, which I think shows, you know, that the band was not just all about, like, okay, we're only this one straight edge, one lane hardcore. They're, like, a little bit outside of it. So, that's that's another, you know, trying to make my case for Snapcase. That's a good case <laughs> for them.
1: <laughs> I mean, well, I, I got, th- you know, Rob said earlier that they they're... they're, they're kind Of, like, helmet. I got the helmet vibe completely. Oh, yeah, with mm. this, like, that was like 100. Uh, my one of I mean, my first notes this, was that like, it's like helmet with better vocals. Like, I'm <laughs> I, this, I do not like the vocals on helmet. So,
0: this record is yeah. still like to me, better solos it's too, defining <laughs> the sound that you know where Greg said where they ended up because I think they started it very firmly in hardcore. I mean, especially a solid state and whatever when they were kid when we were all kids. Yeah. And then they moved and they moved and changed and moved and changed. And they did and I think they ended up more like Greg said like in that quicksand kind of helmet space where you're almost touching alternative. Yeah. And kind of a post-punk Fugazi kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And and I think that they they, you know, I, to me this record is good but I it's not like they're, you know, I think as as you listen to the next two or, you know, the next couple of records you can hear it get better and better and
1: better as they build on this. What what uh what number album was this in their discography like is this their first one
0: i th- oh, this is the yeah, first one okay. they they first one with daryl for sure i think they like when we the first Snapcase record was a seven inch called comatose which greg and i both have somewhere greg is going to and go pick right it out just kidding <laughs> so that, that, that was with chris gallus that was with gallus singing um and then i think they did a i can't remember if there was like maybe another
3: I believe there were two
0: or three oh, seven steps. inches or like two seven ah, nice. inches in EP. There you, yeah. there you go. Oh, no, wait. Looking Glass Self was 93. That's never mind. Steps yeah. was after that. Yeah. I think this is their first. This is their first. Uh, oh, yeah. Nice. So when, when we went to that show, I yellow uh, vinyl. I'll, I know. So Gallus well, looked at a, us. and a record. He's like, oh, yeah. you guys are. You guys are. We know you guys. So he reaches in the back, pulls out the colored vinyl and then. For oh, nice. three bucks, we got the we got the yellow vinyl special.
1: <laughs> that as a deal, man. Yeah, they, <laughs> I,
0: I. But I mean, that, yeah, that, those guys were always super and Greg said it. I mean, we didn't, you know, we were going to college and and had plans, and these guys were 100 all in, and so you know that's why I think Dennis left the band and and you know, went on to, to, to join Earth crisis who obviously those guys were huge, huge,
2: huge. Hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Why th- but you hear that about like almost every famous artist it's the the one thing they all have in common is they, they were committed totally, you know,
4: Well, that's, like, part of, like, the rock... One of my hobbies is, like, I like to read rock biographies. I I don't know if you guys, like... I mean, we talk about Eric, and I definitely share these, and, like, they have, like, such a common theme of those, like, you know, like, why did someone become a successful musician? And one of them is, you know, the 100% commitment. But that oftentimes winds up being, like, there's just no backup plan, because, like, like if you read Slash's biography, there's really Slash is going to be either super famous or he's dead. Like those are really the two choices of <laughs> yeah. things that are going to happen to Slash, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and like and I, I don't think these guys were on that level, but they definitely were like, I'm, you know, I, I'm i more interested in pursuing this than I am like, like I know Daryl was an engineer at UB like he was in some of my friends classes. And I don't know whether he he probably got a degree like Tim. Tim was a professor at oh. UB for a while. But yeah, they're able Darryl. to like balance that stuff out and go and still do this, which is, you know, so, but they definitely probably had to, they had more in the game than everybody. And, and I could see like, if you were, if I was like, you know, Tony Brummel and I was looking to sign a band, I would want to sign these guys because they're 100% committed. And also they, they have a different sound than a lot of other ones. Like, you know, you're getting, you're getting uh, when they put this album out and the one before, you know, if you're getting tapes from everybody around the country that sound pretty much the same. And this one, yeah, you know, like this one is different. You know, yeah. I, I think that's, that's, it's really hard to be a little bit different and it's important. Kind of, kind
3: of to bounce on that, like just to state who these kind of people are, Daryl, the vocalist, uh, has a master's in social work, has spent years as a social worker at an inpatient psychiatric hospital. Uh, let's see. Here's John, the guitarist. He uh, owns a professional race car business for life. Wow. And they build race car chassis. Uh, Tim, the drummer, is a school teacher. He's got a PhD. Frank oh. and Dustin are both computer guys. So they just have, you know, like yeah. Eric yeah. and
4: myself. Yeah, I mean, and the, yeah. the other thing to know is like Dressler, at least who played guitar on this, he's not in the band anymore. And I, I, I think he might be like a economics he might have like a master's in economics or something but you know it's interesting to think about like you know like the guitar work on this album he probably did when he was like 18 or 17 years old but the guy is a phenomenal guitar player i mean like like you know but he's playing to this lane you know which is pretty cool but like you know i'm sure like i've I've seen him play because he was in a he's in a cover band with a friend of mine now and Mm. like he can play anything but like you know, you you don't notice that from that. It just shows like the the breadth of knowledge of people. You know, I don't know. I don't, these guys are great. So,
1: yeah, it's funny because like one of the things I, I one of the notes I took was, <laughs> I could see myself writing a lot of these riffs. Like I, I related. I mean, there's one specifically. We'll get to it. But yeah, uh, the,
2: but a lot of the <laughs> I didn't riffs pick on the up level, on it. I went back and listened that I. I, I forgot what song you said it sounded like it's I was like uh, I'll, I'll just i'll just n- remember it no bridge Maybe really i, forget- no I no. might have forgotten our own song though <laughs> no come on <laughs> <I> swear, <laughs> you, you cool. did not i don't i don't know are you crazy
1: yeah anyway uh what do you
4: think though if you all were to pick is there a single on this i mean like what would be the song off this album that you would recommend to somebody if there one Hmm.
1: i liked no uh, bridge and i liked covered those are my, probably my two favorite fields of illusion i thought was pretty cool one
5: of my favorite
3: uh, i i love drain me filler uh, that, yeah that one too uh, i love the start of uh, looking glass self incarnation
1: well if we're gonna i mean we can transition to yeah. talking about some of these well, what about the album cover
2: Yeah. What is that, a frog throwing up or what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a dude on his knees, right? And his whole head is like melting. That's what I got from it.
0: I thought it was a guy with his hands on the table, like, and then his head was melting. But honestly, I don't know.
1: I like that. Oh, yeah. I see that too. Why don't
3: we talk about looking glass self? It means the process wherein individuals base their sense of self on how others, uh, they believe others view them. So using social
4: interaction as a type of mirror. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty introspective title for a hardcore band in for yeah, sure. 1993. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure lots of people were, were thinking that too when they were looking at that album. <laughs> like,
4: well, you know, I just, you know, one of the problems of this genre is there was especially in like the um you know, the um the straight edge type thing, there's a lot of really like very rote you know, topics that people would talk about, like, you know, those Nazis and white power and, like, you know, like, and dojo. I mean, like, but this is, to me, like, what another thing that makes it more appealing is it's very, it's layered and a little more introspective than you would expect from, at that time.
3: Exactly. I mean, it's kind of, you know, the more posse youth crew kind of style that kind of spawned out of more or less the, the, you know, the youth of today shelter side of things. But, it, you know, let's face it, when you listen, when you read through these lyrics, I was uh, driving my, you know, gearing up for this, I was driving around with my son and one of his uh, basketball teammates, you know, in the backseat, you know, they're both nine years old, Catholic school guys, uh, you know, but, you know, I'm just wondering, like, throwing this album in, I'm wondering, like, oh, shit, I wonder if, uh, you know, he's gonna mention to his parents, like, yeah, Mr. Neville was listening to this really loud awesome music and, <laughs> and i'm like you know what there is isn't, you know if you read these lyrics there's there's uh, i was gonna say if you're gonna pick a band solid content you know it's, it's, there's nothing you know there's no hail satan hail satan you know? <laughs> it's, it's All one. introspective it's all introspective and kind of um you know personally it's all about personal growth
1: much you know? different yeah. genre than the hail satan genre
4: well so like that <laughs> yeah. to me also is one of the things that is a sort of uh a difference maker for them in that, like, like I have a specific memory of like when I first heard this, it, like I remember listening to it in the car with my cousin and I were driving around, just blasting it, listening to it and be, cause we had never heard Daryl sing. So like, wow, eh, I don't know if I like it as much. Like, I don't know <laughs> if I like his voice as much. Cause I, I liked Chris Gallus, the previous singer. I really liked him. So like hearing Daryl and not seeing him play the bass to me was a little jarring, but. What is different though is sort of, you know, and so just a perspective on this, I think is like, I, I still, like, I'm not 100% comfortable with his voice because I think it, to me, it sounds out of tune. But like, mm-hmm. but the lyrics are well written and they're clever, I think, and they're more introspective than a lot of the music at the time. And so wh- when you listen to this, I, I ask you to put yourself sort of in this frame of mind is this is while this album is you know you know you're listening to it maybe in headphones like the way that i perceive this album and like literally every time i saw these guys play is a room full of people are screaming every lyric along with the guy singing it. So yeah. like that's
3: on top of each other, there's the pile of the human pile at the front of that stage. That's just,
0: yeah. so like on top. his yeah. voice
4: is really like inconsequential. It's really like about like building the environment. And so like, to mm-hmm. me, like that's what this type of thing represents. Like, that's one of the things that I think that like in particular, like Daryl Taberski did really well in that it's like, he was a very like, um, inclusive leader type person in this scene and was like you know at everything and supported everything and people you know followed him like they they he he was just like you know a very like uh, like that personality so like you know maybe his voice is not you know the best hardcore voice you heard maybe ever but (laughs) like everyone's singing along and he's leading the pack like that. And so that's one of the things that was the, the connection that was made throughout that whole thing speaks to like how that's where their popularity comes from, I think is building those connections and writing lyrics that people would want to sing and sing along with them because not every band's going to, even when you're writing those, you know, road hardcore lyrics or that everybody was guessing what the next one's going to be like, they're not, everyone's going to sing along with that. But these guys, everybody was full on their shows where everybody is singing along all the time
1: yeah that's cool well that's and that was my 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 issue with the album was mostly was the vocals like i wasn't that into his voice um i thought the music was great um and so like hearing you say that it kind of it makes sense like you kind of had to you know it's more of a experience thing being there and like sharing that experience. I than,
4: guarantee you, if you saw them, like go see. If you go to Richmond and go see them, you're gonna, you won't be like, oh wow, that's a lot well, too. You're gonna be like, holy crap, this is fucking awesome. No, I'm jumping his, off the stage right now. His <laughs> voice
0: got, his voice got better. He got much more comfortable in that role. If you listen, if you listen to progression through unlearning, you'll hear it. I mean, he's. This is the well,
4: first record. I
0: mean, that's this, the yeah, other
4: thing to point out. Like Rob this said, is, this is this definitely is, like one out of the gate.
0: Yeah. So Gallus left, so, and this is it. It's like I think I. We, I mean, I remember we kind of talked about this, but I don't remember like whether they tried to find a singer and then Daryl's just like, I'm going to do it. I don't, I don't really remember, but I remember it was a big change and you can hear,
1: I mean, he's stepping into the role. So that's you know, a, and, that's a similarity to the the other band. We're going to talk about this episode. Oh yeah, clutch. for sure. Really? Is that what happened in clutch too? Well, it's the same singer, but his voice is a lot different on, on the, the. Proceeding oh my album. God. It's a different band. Yes, yes. This yeah, house of sure. it, Yeah. yeah. We'll get into that. Are right, we
4: talking about clutch now? Yeah, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. I was just like, mentioning gonna... it's a similarity, yeah,
1: for sure. <laughs> Definite similarity, but yeah, we can hit some of them like the highlights of this album for you. Like, if you guys have certain songs or, or parts, I like the ones album.
4: that you guys named. I mean, you know, well, let's, that's uh, politi- that's let's politically hit, I correct.
0: Think... I like what you like. <laughs> no, I do, I, I do about, like the first what... two songs. I mean, I, I think to me, that's it's very signature for what they're trying to do. and Um, you know, this record, I, I, I liked it. I remember listening to it, but it definitely didn't. I I keep talking about progression through unlearning. For me, that was their, Mm -hmm. that was when they hit the stride.
4: I'm with Rob on that too, though. Like, I, I, I have trouble. I well, I you know the issue with the vocals is one thing, but also just like I think that next album is better. So, but this is still like a, a great album, but it's not as good as those other that other I'll one. I'll have to listen this to that. This
3: also one. came out thirty years ago. Their next one came out twenty eight.
4: Yeah,
0: years in ago, two more so years we'll that. talk about progression through yes. our learning <laughs> <laughs> and then, with fawn all over it.
4: <laughs> well, also, you, the, and, you know, I guess one other thing before we start talking about the songs again. When this came out, it still was different than other things out there because of the things I had mentioned before. Nobody was doing those things; they did those things. It's a different sound. Everybody liked it. And, let,
3: uh, and let's face it, Victory really kind of became like the hardcore label, and then it turned into fucking bullshit in the early two thousands.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, like a it sounds like a like an East Coast sub pop almost. Well, <laughs> I mean, me. he, he was uh, I mean, I Victory, he was in
4: Chicago. It would, yeah, but okay. Victory at so least Midwest, like so. you know when. When we went there in like eighty nine, ninety, like when we went to play I
3: mean, that was that was it was the shit. That was it was like man, victory. It was uh they, they put out uh Warzone, they put out
4: uh Well well there was a while like the high watermark for him. So when I was at his house, Victory Records was the closet in his house with all these albums yeah. in it. But he had, <laughs> but uh but uh he uh wound up like you know, he, he had the foresight to sign a bunch of these bands and sell a lot of the vinyl and I kind of screwed... I, I there, if you go online on Wikipedia, you could look at it. He's been sued like like, like twenty yeah. times oh by people. God, let's use. just pretend that didn't happen. So <laughs> it was like, but he wound up Make like when, to edit that out. Well, like no, no, that that's a thing. But like I'm just saying, oh, like yeah. you know, I mean, do you think Richard Branson hasn't been sued? I mean, you know, right, so yeah, like yeah. actually, he yeah, was also so, just like a kid. I mean, he no, was, he wasn't a kid. He was an adult. He was a full adult man when I met him. Oh, he was like in his early twenties, wasn't <laughs> he? You've never met him, have you met him? I don't know why you're dressing me down. Wasn't okay. he in his early 20s? <laughs> uh, he had a house and he was a man when I met him. I mean, it was just like—I mean, I don't know what it was. was a man, a man. <laughs> now you're a man. All I'm saying is, like, he—he he is like a bunch of guys that were old, like a little. They were—they were that much. Like the next tier of older people, you know. And he had an idea of what he wanted to do. And what he did though is once the once those other records started selling, is when and he was making a good amount of money. Then, then the, the thing he did is he bought like old catalogs from bands and wound up like i like got involved with war zone he put out a bad brains album and like a bunch of other like kind of stuff that you would never think you would have access to like i mean and then you know things kind of took a, a slight turn you know when yeah, uh, he got yeah. sued for a bunch of things but there was a period of time where like he was cock of the walk you know <laughs> good for him though i mean like but uh he had a plan and you know well, these guys helped him build the plan Yes, okay.
3: yes. Uh, I would say he ended up fucking over enough of the bands themselves, so that it's you know maybe fuck him a little bit. But hey <laughs> you know let that, that'll be a total different story. We're talking about Snapcase. Yeah, but at one <laughs>
4: point he sold Victory Records to whatever for thirty million dollars, so yeah, he's uh, doing yeah,
1: okay. Yeah. You know, wow. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah.
4: <laughs> but anyway, that's a long way from a closet full of stuff that I saw oh, in yeah, nineteen ninety sure. at his house. <laughs> And so you got to, you got to, you know, break some eggs to make things. And also, you know, the other problem with like, you know, people who sued and whatever the things, all the bad things that happened is, you know, balance it out. Like, you know, some of these bands would not have got an album out that would have got the distribution it would have needed to get, but for him doing it, you know, but for him putting it out. So it's, you know, there's, I mean, you, you could go through any record label and find bad things that happen to people you know but yeah. like if the Snapcase record hadn't come out on victory where would it have come out I don't even know I mean that would have yeah. come revelations not going to sign them probably you know where else you know right because yeah. that I mean there's nobody else at that time I can't even No. you know Rob can you think of anybody
0: what like Besides- I was trying to find out how old Tony victory was because I don't think he you make him out to be like a 70 <laughs> year old guy I'm pretty sure I'm <laughs> pretty <laughs> sure he's in his 50s still so whatever
4: I, you're saying I just can't find it I don't know. I mean, I have my perception of time was much different. I remember meeting That's him. What thinking, I'm
0: saying, I'm saying like, he seemed like an adult. I mean, yes, I never met him, but I mean, I, he was, you know, I mean, and he, we want, everybody wanted to be yeah. on that label. They had integrity. Oh, yeah. They had, I mean, in, in our, in our sphere of music, like that, yeah. they had snap case, they had integrity. It was like, and you know, like Greg said, nobody, you know, God, you put out your own record. What's wrong with you? You know, I mean, it's, it's like, wait, we would retain the rights to all this music and it would cost us like a thousand dollars. What do we, you know, but yeah, that's <laughs> just life.
3: Hey, hey, we, we've all learned our lessons in the long term. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So I, uh, wait, wait, what wait, were you about, saying, Greg? I'm sorry. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't listening. I'm,
4: I'm saying I, I didn't mean to attack you. I'm sorry. No, no. I, no I, what I, did you I, say? You <laughs> said, can you think of any other? Any, I, I can't. Was, like, who else would have like, like, like there's what what other Vic- labels were there. What or else those, were the what them? other options were there? There's victory. SST. There's no way SST would put out an album from all the way
0: on the West Coast. And Discord would. But again, Discord was not. Like, we listened to punk. We listened to punk radio in Buffalo. And and if you heard one or two songs from bands that were this D.C., it would have. Yeah. I mean, it was New York City hardcore and it was like Midwest hardcore. And, and we didn't know. There were thrash bands in that. But I mean, like, we just didn't know. Like We didn't get down to D.C. or Baltimore. I mean, it just didn't.
4: The, the only other been. place that would even be close to the radar for a Buffalo band is Metal Blade because they put out the Goo Goo Dolls album. Yeah,
0: right. They signed the they signed the Goo Goo Dolls.
4: Metal Blade so put out the Goo Goo Dolls. Well, well, so the were Goo Goo, Goo Dolls strength. were a punk band. Yeah. They, yeah they, Rob, they, Rob and I saw the Goo Goo Dolls open for Motorhead. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> <whole line laughs>
2: Motorhead,
0: and Sac- wow. Motorhead and Sacrifice
1: played in, what? in Buffalo. That's insane. Oh, Sacrifice they, was they, awesome. Did they
2: sound a lot different back then? Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, yep. <you> must have. <laughs> they were a punk band they didn't play. They didn't play. I want the world to see me. Yeah, Remember no, the, the, first, the first, the first, the no, first. They played I'll,
4: I'll, I'll beat your ass with a baseball bat was the song. <laughs> have you ever heard made. the first Goo Goo Dolls album? Oh, it's, oh, no, sorry. I would not so seek that the, out. When Rob and I would have seen them, so this is like in the 80s, like the mid 80s, before they got, they were on when they're Metal Blade. Their first album, oh, like the, the primary singer of the Goo Goo Dolls when we would have seen them was the bass player. Like they, the, the guitar player never sang anything. Huh. Like okay. He did. He,
0: no, that's not true. He did sing, but it was all, it was
4: like 90% Rob, Robbie and 10%. Um, Johnny sang Johnny. on the second album, the Jet album, when that came out. But like yeah. the whole first album is just Robbie. I think that's it crazy. may be one song, but you're,
0: Greg's right. And then, and then they slowly, like once they got to Superstar Car Wash kind of area or even Hold Me Up is when they started to go, oh, John, John Resnick can sing. We're going to have him yeah. do. But they were, they, a they to, were a punk band. They were a punk band. i trying to remember the first song I ever heard. No, by they're, it. they're they're like they're
4: torn apart is a freaking awesome song. And then they became the repla- replacements light. But yeah. like
0: <laughs> if you it's an I think the first Goo, Goo Dolls record is just self-titled. It's like 1987 or so. Yeah. Um, and then Jed. And Jed was on Metal Blade.
2: And yeah, but Boy, we we were, would like we like wore out their, their first album. Yeah, would love yeah. it. I I remember. Hearing them before they became a, uh, you know, a Nick Cage rom-com band or whatever they, they ended up being, I think they were on 120 Minutes is where I put yeah, but I can't remember what probably, song it was. So the
4: first time that they were on MTV, this is another sad point, is that, um, so there was a local lounge singer in Buffalo who was very popular, his name was Lance Diamond. Uh, hold on a second. I got the picture of him right here. We're talking about the
0: Goo Goo Dolls now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they <laughs> have no Google. record from
4: 93, but Superstar Car Wash was 92. Just... <laughs> okay. So this is Lance Diamond. So he plays oh every gosh. Friday and Saturday night at the Elmwood Lounge. He's dead now. He did, but anyway, yeah. He doesn't anymore. But Goo um, Goo Dolls love this guy. So he was like, he would, he would come out like in a captain's outfit and play like the theme to Love Boat and like in a funky <laughs> way. But anyway, so the Goo Goo Dolls had their one chance to be on MTV and it was on 120 minutes when we were in the 90s. And then instead of doing one of their songs that like we wanted to hear they did a cover of bitch by the wrong stones with this guy singing he just showed up and sang on mtv oh, it was oh really my disappointing
0: God. and nobody That's knew so what, nobody <laughs> knew what to make of it and i think yeah. that delayed their entry we wanted to hear movie. this
2: You know what that sounds a little bit like um, the big F.
1: The big Oh, a little bit. Kinda. Yeah, I mean that's definitely not the Dolls. This is, dolls that, this is way better. Yeah, than, way better yeah, for sure. I think well, yeah, I mean, how awesome would it be
4: stuff. to see that in the small club and like jump off the stage and like just, they we were, just, were awesome like that at the time. So it, that's very
0: that was a cool time. dance, Greg. We paid. Wait, was that the, that was from the debut album? <laughs> that's yes. from yeah, the first. Album.
4: So, but that was okay. going on at the time also. So, like, I guess if there was no victory, people would try to get a metal blade, but they would never have gotten. You know, but these guys. Yeah, they Goo dolls was, were like the, the biggest rock stars in the area where, where we grew up as kids. It was yeah, By amazing.
0: by the time by the time uh looking glass self came out, we'll bring it right back around. So Google dolls were on Warner Brothers. And yeah. they were they were very hot shit in Buffalo. And Robbie, like I said, was doing producing and stuff like that. And um yeah, so they they were like the gold standard for the, you know any sort of and they had already softened a little bit when they signed a Warner. But they were definitely a hard band in the beginning, and I think like all of us, all of us kids would go see them at high school dances and go see them play at local shows. So that's, I mean, that was there was a pretty awesome punk scene in Buffalo, believe it or not. Yeah, mean, no, being such a small kind of a, a a dying city then, you know, where steel was just had left and everything, and there was not a lot going on, but it had a pretty vibrant music scene that we were that yeah. we, were, we got to be a part of.
5: It's surprising so, that's, that a uh, a major label would sign a punk band. In 93, 93 is like you think of Pearl Jam 92,
4: 92. Yeah, I mean, that album, that album is not the album that would have been the album. The the next album came out, had more Johnny songs in it and a couple more like songs that were more accessible. Yeah, I mean, Warner
0: Brothers Superstar Car Wash was their fourth record. So if you listen to their third record, which was on Metal Blade called Hold Me Up, you really start to hear. What It'd the Dolls were becoming, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. There was still some, there was still some hard stuff on there. Robbie's still sang, but it was definitely getting pushed to the back part of the record, and they were yeah, finding yeah. themselves. So no, that's
4: then, where they became replacements. Yeah, I, I <laughs> Lester- love their
0: replacements though. So
4: Paul Westerberg
0: <laughs> wrote "We Are the Normal," which is the single or one of the singles on Superstar Car Wash, which is their first record on Warner Brothers.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, well, I got the, an interview from uh, 2002 with Daryl. Uh, the interviewer asked, "Do you think coming from a bigger city shaped your sound in any way?" He said, I guess maybe a little bit. Growing up, when I first started going to these local bands, which is always the first step, two of the main local bands I would see was... Goo Goo Dolls, who were really like punk rock back then. Zero Towers. Cannibal Corpse. Oh,
0: Cannibal Corpse, yeah. Oh, man, <laughs> yeah. Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> a, lot, a, lot,
3: a lot of people probably wouldn't think that those two bands knew each other well. To me, it was a decent-sized city, and when it comes to the music, it's uh, pretty small. Snapcase is actually open for both of those bands. <laughs>
4: wow. No, wow. that wouldn't be a—you like would play there, some of the death metal bands. that uh, You could be on a bill with Cannibal Corpse, or the other death metal band was called of May, yeah, like we Beth-a-may. definitely played a gig with of May. It was they were
0: awesome.
4: I, I mean, well, the bit. Campbell Corps is pretty awesome too, though. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're lucky. You know, there's some talented musicians in the small city of Buffalo. Um,
1: you know, well, we should play some of this album because yeah. we still got Clutch to talk about here. So. Um yeah, I think
4: I think we, we might be doing three episodes. We've oh. we've played
2: more Goo Goo Dolls on this episode. <laughs>
4: yeah,
2: so, yeah so but so Devin, don't you
4: appreciate them more now though? You probably do. I do.
2: Yeah, yeah. For sure. I, well, I do. do. We're just trying to educate no you
4: about everything Buffalo. Goo
2: goo dolls on well, the same label as, as what is, definitely shapes what like, is this yeah. podcast if not we, education? We can do a that's Rick right.
4: James episode next if you want. <laughs> that, that's okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. Rick James
4: match.
2: I mean maybe. I don't know. Nah.
1: <laughs> we, should play this we should play this yeah, no bridge. We should play this no bridge. Play no
2: bridge. It's good because
1: I want to. Yeah, I want to show the guys the the comparison. Oh
2: yeah, is that is that
1: it? Yeah, it's in there all over the place.
2: Yeah, right here. It's it ascending part.
1: All right, yeah. so you hear that little right da, 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 da 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 Yeah. Right. So this is a song that I wrote in I don't know '92, probably around the same time. I think '93. This is is the end of it. That's me singing. This part right here. Didn't Joe write the lyrics? Yeah, Yeah, Joe wrote lyrics. That little, that thing that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, thats very. Yeah. Cool. That was like the first thing I noticed when I listened.
4: To
5: this. I yeah,
1: was me like, too. Oh it oh changed everything. Holy shit! I could, tell you,
4: I could tell you that Rob and I wrote a song that is on a nineteen ninety-six recording that we put out that is also the same.
1: what was going on like this riff was just hanging out there everyone's grabbing yeah it
4: (laughs) It is like a perfect fourth played on probably the 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 two bottom strings of the guitar and it sounds pretty cool so how metal is that
1: yeah we're this one is it was drop d and it was just like i can't remember exactly yeah but yeah it's
4: anyway but that but did you have if you put that back on the annoying noise that lays over it that makes it all
1: no i did not have that although i the the song opens with a like a kind of cool harmonic thing that i yeah, it does. Have yeah. That. Yeah. So there's that.
4: I also <laughs> think that, you know, for the music of this time, the production value of this is pretty good.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. We didn't want to talk about the production, but yeah, it is
4: yeah. pretty good.
5: It does sound pretty good. Except for Lo- the snare. Local Buffalo <laughs> producer, Freddie Betchen.
4: <laughs> That's true. Uh, but I mean that the snare is one thing, but like I, I just remember there were many albums or even our demos that I would listen to from these types of bands, like a similar genre, and that the the, the the like the overall record like the guitar didn't sound right or the drums. Like here, like the guitar is like a very full, like you know, very mm-hmm. metal guitar sounding guitar. Yeah, no, it that, is
5: that does that Piccolo snare, is that a kind of a hallmark of hardcore or is that just soapy they selected for this <clears throat> album? No. no, I that'll, think it's
0: that'll... it's just something that it's kind of part of their sound if you listen to okay. later
1: records. And I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it,
0: definitely the first time I had ever really heard anything like that was Helmet. Well, that's what okay. I was going to
1: yeah. say. It's very, that's why I think it, it reminded me of Helmet too. Yeah. That, that snare was very like, to me, it sounds,
4: it sounds very jazzy to me. Yeah. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know this though, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if like, like Tim was I, it wouldn't surprise me if he was like in the high school jazz band as a, as a drum player, but I don't know. But they're also like that. Th- that is, I, I don't know. It's a different sound. They may have just been going for a different sound. You know, l- listen yeah. to you guys love Metallica. Lars has got a snare, different snare in every album, you know, like you yeah, know, yeah. that's his choice. It's true. I, I, you know, I personally like, like the, you know, shotgun, like major
5: snare. Yeah. That's what, that's what I want. But, <laughs>
4: shotgun blast. But, one reason they might not have been wanting to do this, and you know, that one of the albums that we talked about, I think, in one of the The one, last time you guys had me on is um, uh, not Age of Quarrel, but the other Quarrel Mags album. Um, oh, yes, yeah. best,
0: best Wishes. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
4: so when that album came out, I specifically remember one of the things that everybody like in our scene that was like, you know, into music was like the drums in this album are unbelievable, like they must have spent Death tons camps. of money. That intro. That yeah, but intro listen listen to the kit, guys. though. So, like, we. So, I, I mean, remember, like, trying to die. Like, we were, like, when we went to go record something for our crappy band. Like, our singer was like giving this to the guy who's working the board, make the drums sound like this. So, it would surprise me if these guys, because they're smarter than us, like went, like, see this. We want the opposite of this. Like something completely different. <laughs> because yeah. everybody else was going for canon on snare, you know, yeah. and like yeah. they they have something totally different. So. That to me also is a different sound than a lot of the, the bands. Actually, another band that was really popular when we grew up uh, around this time was Integrity from Cleveland, and they had a very similar sound. You know, the snare was like a like a huge cannon. and This is just a much different. This is more of like what Derek Green's band, like Outface, had this kind of like reggae type, like poppy snare sound. And it worked for them, and maybe they maybe they took it from that. I don't well, know. Well,
0: the dude who produced not the Buffalo producer, but the New York City producer is Don Fury. Let's yeah. see if any of these bands sound familiar to you. Agnostic Front, Gorilla Biscuits. Yeah. Uh so he's obviously got kind of burn. He's got a, mm. a sound. Youth of today, huh. quicksand. I mean Okay.
1: So he was producing all those hardcore bands.
0: Yes. Out oh, yeah. Greg, Outface. He produced Friendly Green. <laughs> he produced Friendly Green. So there you go. I mean, that was ninety two. That was the year before. So I okay. bet you it's not. I that's what I bet it's Don Fury. I, okay. I mean, also them too, though. I mean. No. No, i i mean for sure but you you got to have the goods you can't i mean a producer yeah. can only make you sound so good but i mean they definitely you know they're they're in that group they're in that quicksand
1: outface gorilla biscuits right. kind of a sphere yeah. so
4: what put, put some more of this on so we could listen to it
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh let's see i like the cover a lot um the main riff in that song i thought was great heavy yeah
2: That's like
1: Old Prong, too. Yeah. I was going to mention that. When Greg yeah. was talking about like interesting things people are doing on guitar, Tommy Victor was doing a lot of interesting things on guitar around this time, too. So, Also a New York band, but not Buffalo. New York City.
5: It actually sounds a bit like Overkill, too. The New
1: Jersey band. I think one of the reasons I like this song is because his vocals are a little... Different. Like he does some different things locally on the song. Yeah.
2: These were some of the lyrics where I was like, what the fuck is he talking about, man? What is it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to play too much of it, but, you but know. to me
0: that sounds very much like regular hardcore of that genre. You don't hear that defining snap case sound in that song, okay. right? You don't. It to me that's just like it actually sounds like Buffalo kind of Buffalo hardcore or New York City hardcore or whatever we we grew up listening to. Okay, not that it's not that it's bad. I mean, it's not bad, but I you know again, yeah. if you listen to the first song and you hear those harmonics that Greg was talking about, I think that's
1: yeah, it definitely strays a little bit snap from The case sound. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah, we can go back. Well, I mean, let's that,
3: go. Let's go back to that at two twenty six.
1: The can first think, first song.
3: Yeah, uh, the first track. I think this is probably where it changes from dreaming to filler. But yeah, twenty
5: six. I had the same.
3: distinctly you can hear everything
5: yeah it's, i mean it's, yeah, a, you I want to it's get clear. back
3: into production but it's just like you know as a bassist you know that's one thing i love about this you know album is how clearly and distinctly you can hear the bassist doing what he's doing
2: no yeah, that's, that's definitely true yeah
1: it's produced really well yeah. yeah
2: i was trying to compare it to our demo because i i don't know our demo sounded pretty Uh, Comparable to that, except for the bass (laughs) sound, it sounds fucking terrible. (laughs) Yeah, everything's real clean on this.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's see. I had another's life. One hundred and seven is a really cool part. Let me see what that was. Remember?
5: I had the same. (laughs) And two hundred three.
1: Oh, this riff, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's like Sepultura type stuff. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very Sepultura. <laughs> I mean, the music to me is—that's straight up metal right there. Like,
5: oh, yeah. You know what I mean, I know hardcore I is like metal
1: mixed with punk, but so it's, it's okay. right, yeah, it's. Yeah, no, it's really
5: good. Very good. Lips. Is the bass player using a pick? I'll oh, yes. guarantee it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely.
3: How much do you want to bet?
1: <laughs> Just <laughs> sounds like that.
3: You wanna, let's do 117 on Deceived.
1: All right.
2: Were you asking, asking <laughs> sarcastically, Tim? Or?
5: Somewhat, yes. Okay. I'm not a bass player, but I was kind of like, I think that's a pick.
2: I don't know how obvious it is to non-bass players. But it yeah. just has
5: that sharp kind of... Oh, it's very yeah. travel yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Oh, there you go. Some bass sounds like overkill (laughs) it does Mm -hmm. that's a good riff
5: yeah Mm -hmm. good good groove yeah the groove yeah that's good
0: hey guess what i've been looking (laughs) for this for 20 minutes (laughs) 1989 17 year old tony brummel found a victory records greg (laughs) 17 wow. years old. He owned
4: his own house at 17? What's
0: wrong with you? What's wrong with you? He was a grown man. We never even met the guy. In 1989,
4: suburban Illinois, a 17-year-old Tony Brummel founded the label. Hmm. I met him in 1990 in August. And Just saying. He was 19 years old and he had his own house. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It's weird to me. He was younger than me when I played at his house. That's awesome. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, it's the it's
0: the internet. There's no saying it's right. I don't have like a Wikipedia yeah. bio, but I just texted you the article.
4: <laughs>
1: oh. I see it. Yeah,
4: you choose whether oh. or not you believe it. It's I been sourced.
0: I, I didn't. I didn't know how young he was, but I knew he wasn't like an old man, like fifty-year-old Tony. Be- Hey, listen, Greg, you could be an amazing <laughs> hardcore band if you just play your cards right. Yeah, don't you remember? Like,
4: I don't know. When I was in college, I was 20 and I was in a band with a guy who was 24 and the, they called the 24-year-old guy the old man. Yeah. I mean, it's my yeah. perspective of age was different then. So maybe, yeah. I don't was know.
0: He, was he bald back then? And maybe you were just
4: discriminating. <laughs> he had n- almost no hair. I mean, I don't know. This is a very there long time ago. Huh? It does Dang. make you look older when your hair. It ages yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh,
3: unintentional skinheads.
4: You know? <laughs> I, I think though, so maybe back to the snap case cut you put on. What I was saying is, like they're doing that, like that, like, like that noise that, that 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 can't, different. can't, like can't people, hear it. Uh, well, that's like a. It's the it's not tuned down it's not drop d like eric's song like they're they're playing everything with just like with the per- oh yeah port there, which yeah which is a right. different song it would pretend like there would be a b like on on your bass like that would be the yeah, yeah, yeah. this is like the but that's like nobody was doing that i remember also in comparison to the other thing with the uh, annoying noises whatever hawaiian noises yeah. um, um that's a that's like a different oh, thing that oh, makes that different hawaiian james I'm talking about
1: james Hetfield calls that the ram chord.
4: <laughs> it works <laughs> i mean metalka was doing it at the time probably yeah
1: i mean they do it like crazy get... now like on their new album they do it a ton but
4: yeah but like in the 90s like i mean in the yeah, black album they tuned down to drop d i think for saying say, uh that's say true. It's it's true. true yeah it's straight yeah. D. It's,
2: it's standard tuning but drop, standard, standard drop d, down yeah. i, I yeah. mean it's they, they tuned all the strings down right right
4: yeah, but I'm thinking like, was anybody I mean, you know, just trying to think of like what makes this sound it. different. Like that sound yeah. that 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 um perfect fourth is not like a very wasn't that was more like that was not a common sound you no. would hear in your ear at that
1: time. No, no, no. It definitely wasn't. Yeah.
2: I mean uh, even, like, what they do is it is that, um is uh uh freight ends of sanity, that riff where it descends during the, the verse starts out with that
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Chord he's talking about.
1: I think it also might be an eye of the beholder. A little bit, yeah. It it is. Is, I, <laughs> or, I don't know.
4: we well. You else. know what's interesting is that they're not going down to like you know more like a very like a rock popular thing at the time would have been like a drop D thing like on Soundgarden's all drop D at that time. Alice in Chains drop D. Yeah, yeah. Like because this album came out in like '93. Like that's what the thing was at that time to go to drop D. And this isn't drop D. It's 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 that fourth, which is a different sound.
2: Yeah. Every Tool song was <laughs> <Every laughs> in drop D. That's true.
4: So you know, it's it's also it's it's clever. It's good.
1: It's different. Well, before I move on, is there any other uh, riffs or or moments that you guys want to highlight on this?
5: Yeah, Fields of Illusion, three hundred eight.
1: Okay. Very heavy.
5: Heavy, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, listen to Daryl there. He sounds like a totally different person.
5: He's still trying to figure it out.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
5: Kind of sounds like sick of it all. I don't know if this is before or after. This is after It's that. got such a
0: such a hardcore bass line. Like up, you're playing like octaves, you know, an octave higher than you normally would if you were playing metal. And it's all like mirroring mm. the guitar. I mean, that's just. Yeah,
4: uh, yeah but you can also hear the bass on like a lot of these albums. that When you guys mixed
0: me out of it, like n- Jason Newstead. That was
4: Hundred percent on purpose. <laughs> that actually didn't happen. These guys gave me a pretty good shake, even though I wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, but, like, so, but you can hear it in this record, though. That's another mm-hmm. thing. Like that, it's not it all cool. like it's not all one thing. No, no, it definitely has its own. Even on the lower stuff, you can always hear. I
0: mean, it's definitely picked. Um, but you can hear it. You know, you can hear it pretty clearly.
4: But I mean, that's beside the band. But, I mean, they did have Don Fury on this, so there's a the thought of production, like somebody who really knows what they're doing. <laughs> Uh, you know, I got to go, yeah, go back album, and especially.
0: listen to the Freddie Betchen versus Don Fury stuff and see how different it is. Because I thought I thought Fred was actually pretty good, supposedly. I mean, being a Buffalo guy, is, I don't think you get all the hot stuff, but I think he was pretty decent.
4: All right. So anyway, Snapcase, thumbs up all around, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that next part
1: is you know, we know we grade these albums. So I don't know if we've been yeah. on, the, on the podcast since we've been doing grades, but we, we say like an A through F grade, like overall grade for this album. You it an A, B, C, and D, you know you can do F minus. You can do A plus. You can do all that stuff. So yeah, um, you you either one of you want to start, or, or we can start. Whatever, I, I whatever can't you give
4: want. him any less than an A because of everything. A.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. He's taking the he's taking the cheap way out. It, if you look at the pantheon of Snapcase, I would say great first album on the way up. I'm going to give it like a B, B plus.
1: Okay. Cool. Cool. Do We're think?
3: doing this album because of me, so I'm
2: gonna bust in with an A as well.
1: So. All right. I so think it. To- uh,
2: I don't know it. It was it was kind of just there for me. I didn't really dislike it. Nothing really grabbed me. I'm kind of more interested now in hearing their their subsequent albums, though. Um, so I don't know. I'm gonna give this probably C plus. That's what I was gonna give it
1: C plus. Just because, like,
5: um, yeah. What? <laughs> I, I'd go B minus.
1: Yeah. We need the
5: trombone
2: little. The well, price I think is that, right. a, that is a, a fair rating for somebody who doesn't. <laughs> I think C plus is pretty rare for me. I'm usually like A or F. <laughs> <laughs> it's true Can I ask you though You you deniers with
4: the C pluses area <laughs> compare, Comparing this to the other Hardcore albums that you've heard Where does it rank in that like If you you're know, just putting it in that lane
1: It's hard for me to say than, I don't, Better than sick of it all
4: Yeah better it, than sick of
1: it all I, I would look, maybe put on a like Chromags level like I don't know. Oh jeez.
4: Oh, that's
1: that's <laughs> oh my like Chromags guy. Yeah, they, 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 the
5: reason... they,
3: they did not like the Chromags. So. No, the,
4: no we would like No,
5: I like the
4: Chromags. Oh, to, to me and Rob, like the first Chromags album is like Van Halen 1. Th- this I mean, is like, why
3: I can't
0: give this record an A cuz the Chromags Age of Coral is an A. I mean that's, hey, but my that end. came
4: out in that came out labels like 86. I don't care when 86. it came out.
0: I mean it's it's you're asking 86.
2: me to grade records, and that record is an A, A plus. <laughs> that's the thing, this like,
5: record is a B. It's really it's really hard to to I think grade when you get, something.
2: You get me or Eric or Tim out of our heavy metal lane. It's, yeah, it's like difficult yeah. for us to put things in perspective as far as yes. you know the respective genres. So
1: yeah, we were not I, listening I to also, hardcore in 87, 88. We were not like that was not in our even. The spectrum at all. It was all thrash metal. Yeah, so but that's it's, all we were listening to. Basically.
5: It's also hard to. It's hard to grade something without comparing it to other things. I, I try not to do that, but it's really hard. Especially if there's a mm-hmm. band whose subsequent albums are better, and you go, "Well, they become this other thing." You're you're like, "I can't make this. I can't get this like an A because this other one's better." So it's
2: to, I gotta, gotta say, really. they exactly. got
4: better. That's where I'm it's coming. It's difficult.
5: From. But, yeah. yeah, but I mean, the other hardcore stuff. We we didn't really. We haven't done a lot. No, we haven't.
4: When you come back to the next album, you'll love it. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean it's actually it's actually like
0: four I think ninety-seven, so it's four years from oh, wow, okay, yeah. ninety five.
4: All right, so we'll see you guys in like a decade <laughs> thing, <laughs> 000, twenty thirty. We'll talk about that. You one. can only talk about Snapchat <laughs> we'll, from now. We'll one, be like sorry. as
0: old as Tony Victory then and we'll be talking about.
4: Him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess out. he was a I think I remember now back that story. I played at his house and he was a baby in a diaper. <laughs> I changed him. <laughs> So I'm really, I couldn't remember But he had a beard <laughs> He had a gold-plated diaper <laughs> Of all the albums he was putting out Energy Energy, it's
3: aggression Power To sum it up, it's a vulgar display of power
1: Sometimes I think you break just a little too much blood I'm sorry, I'm going to be a bloodaholic But I'm a- ah! Cut it out, it out big time They are miserable slaves of Satan Look out
5: Some cunt's recording this. Touch yourself,
2: Lord, for you have been in the presence of
0: evil. You're fucked.